So what makes The Incredibles so incredible? What makes The Incredibles? What do you think? The fallout. They're a team. Superpowers. What else? What makes them so incredible? They're, they're outfits. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, you and me would look good in one of those, Gray. <laughs> no, there's some things you can't unsee. But anyway... <laughs> What else? What else? What, what makes them so incredible? Pardon? Their desire to help. They all have different gifts. They all work together. Uh, they're discovering who they are. They're engaged with who they are in the world around them. They continue to discover who they are. It, do it doesn't stop. There's actually another one coming out this summer. It's been way too long, but there's another one coming out this summer. They're continuing to grow in their engagement and their experience of life as a family. But, you know, they weren't always that way. They weren't always so incredible. They weren't always so aware of each other, aware of their own giftedness and how that could impact the world. You just watch this. You might be able to relate to this. Bike, Dad. Yikes. Bob, could you help your collar boy cut his mace? Ow. Dash, you have something you want to tell your father about school? Uh, um, well, see, I infected a frog. Dash got sent to the office again. Good, good. No, Bob, that's bad. What? Dash got sent to the office again. What? What for? Nothing. He put a tack on the teacher's chair during class. Movie star needs to barely see it on tape. They caught you on tape and you still got away with it? Whoa. You must have been booking. How fast do you think you were Bob, going? We are not encouraging this. I'm not encouraging. I'm just asking how fast you Honey! Oh. Right, so I first a car, now I gotta pay to fix a tape. The car? What happened to the car? Here, I'm getting a new plate. <clears throat> so, how about you, Vi? How was school? Nothing to report. You've hardly touched your food. I'm not. Well, it is leftover night. We have steak, pasta. What are you hungry for? Tony Ranger. Shut up. Well, you are. Then shut up, you little insect. Well, she is. Do not shout at the table. Honey? Yes, listen to your mother. <laughs> she beat it. We were having Tony
<laughs> you ever been there? Life is crazy. Someone knocks on the door, telephone rings, and all of a sudden it's like a stack of keys. See, they didn't start off incredible. They become the incredible. And the word I want you to focus in on is engagement. Engagement. That, that they needed to get to the place where dad, in this situation, sets some tone by engaging with who he is, who his family is, and then the greater world. And then as he does that, the rest of the family starts to engage. And as they engage with the world around them, as they engage with who they are, they become incredible. They're not just going through the motions. They're not just a spectator. They start actually participating in the life that is before them. Watch how engagement changes, especially in Bob's. You see, it's all about engagement. It's all about engaging with the world around you, with who we're going to say God created you to be. You may be still wondering about that. You may be here and think, well, maybe there's something to this God thing. Maybe there isn't, and that's okay. You may be unconvinced. But there's this idea that uh, when you and I engage, you know, and you might say, wow, that was, you know, the, the pinching going on there. But, but I'll tell you. Every spouse should get pinched by their spouse from time to time. Because what that symbolizes is that they're captivated by each other. That's engagement. I don't care if you've been married three months, six months, 10 years, 40 years, 50 years. There ought to be engagement. And there ought to be this captivated with your partner for life. That, that should just continue on. And that's a sign of engagement, just not going through the motions, just not being a spectator, but a participant in the life that uh, you have before you. And so, so on a personal level, this engagement makes all the difference with, with Bob and his family. And likewise, as we look at life, are we just going through the motions? Are we just on a treadmill? Is it just week after week after week after week and we're, we're just kind of just there. Uh, we're uninvolved. We're, we're 
in the shadows, if you will. Because when that happens, just right there in his feet is where Jesus is supposed to be. You see, each one of us can be incredible in the capacity that we have. We can be full on, full in, and be incredible. And, and it can affect our personal life, our inner life, but then also it can transform our outer life, the way we interact with those closest, but also with the way we interact with, with our greater world. And for the Incredibles, once they get the inner kind of figured out or in the, in the motion, again, it's a process, it's not, it's not instantaneous, but, but once they get into this idea of engagement, not only are they incredible at home, incredible with each other, but they're also incredible with, with being superheroes. And just watch how this comes together. they're incredible they're engaged with their world and the same is true for us in actually a greater way it's not a cartoon when we discover who we are in connection with god through a relationship with him when we're engaged with our inner world and our external world the places we live we work we play we go to school where we go to church and all the experiences that we have all of a sudden that starts to release our incredibleness. But until we get to the place where we engage, it's just going through the motions. Now, some of us may say, well, you don't know my life. You don't know who I am. You don't know my capacity. You don't know my limitations. And so I can't be incredible. I'm going to say you can be incredible. You can be. I'm going to say, you actually already are. I mean, David says this. He says, I praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, or your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Here's David. Now, David will be a king. Most of us will not be kings. But David was that shepherd boy. David was the guy who, when the big-time prophet came to town, came to have dinner, and was talking with his dad, said, where are your sons? I want to check them out. I want to see, look at them and see who they are. And he assembles all his sons except for David because David's the runt. He's the youngest. He's out there. He's, he's nothing. But he was something. Again, as he engages with who his God made him to be, as he engages with his world, he looks back and he can say, I praise you because I'm fearfully made. I, I can't believe who I am. I can't, I'm in awe with you because of the way you've put me together. I'm wonderfully made. And I know that fear well. I felt, know that full well. I, I lean into that truth. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we even, even believe what David says here. Do, do, we, do we go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice, because that other person that applies to me. But it actually applies to all of us. And God wants us to figure out how to engage with that. 
Now, usually towards the end of the message, we have our bottom line, but I wanted to start with it this week. Incredible centers on engagement. If that's all you get this morning is the idea that I need to engage. Engage with my connection, my relationship with God. Discover what that even means. See that there's a component of life that might have been missing. And and I engage in that. And then I engage in the places that that God has, has, has put me in. Now, again, I'm going to say, you know, I'm a pastor, so I come from the perspective that 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 center that begins with uh, our awareness, our knowledge, our relationship with God. And and when we engage on that, it it looks this way. Uh, Jesus actually said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, sometimes when you hear uh, this spoken about these words of Jesus, sometimes we, we parse it. What's it mean to love them with your heart? What does it mean to love them with their soul? What's it mean to love them with your mind and your strength? Basically, it means one thing. Be all in for your love of God. Be all in. There's not a component missing. Fully, holistically engaged with this relationship, this growing relationship with God. I love the way Eugene Peterson uh, renders these words, translates these words. He says, so love the Lord your God with all your passion, prayer, and intelligence, and energy. Again, the whole you. So when we're thinking about this idea of engagement and being incredible, centers on being engagement, it starts with awareness and a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And for some of us, that's means nothing or it's hard to handle or what what does that what does that really mean for me and as we go through over the next two weeks uh, and into easter we'll be talking about the why of easter so we'll try to fill in some of the blanks it's not a it's not a three minute discussion but this idea that we're totally engaged with our relationship with god christ follower if you are not engaged in your relationship with god you won't be incredible. There's no like, there's no like bypass. There's no like around that. If you're a Christ follower, that's key. That's that's baseline stuff. It's got to be a part of who we are. And then what's interesting is when we the practice of this kind of loving God with all who we are and having it work through our life is it comes through in a very familiar passage. Uh, many of us who have been around church world are aware of, and it's in your notes, it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You see, it's trust. We love God. We start leaning into our love with him, and so our trust grows. Speaks to my life, it doesn't happen overnight. Someone has to earn or build trust with me. I can see that I can trust them, and it's a, it's a process. So the way I apply the concept of loving God is by trusting him with, with my whole life, with my being. That, that doesn't mean I'm always in a happy place when I'm doing it. A lot of times it's a stretch, but, but I stretch and I lean into him, and I don't depend on my own understanding. I lean into him, and I seek his preferred will for my life, 
and all of a sudden in those moments, not 10 years down, not, not maybe even three days from now, but in the moment, he guides and leads me which path to take, and then there comes a crisis of belief where I'm going to trust him or I'm not, and if I do trust him, my trust just continues to grow, and my passion for him continues to grow, and my opportunity to be fully who God intends me to be just grows. And then, then my life is not, let's say, incredible, but I become incredible because I'm being used by him, and I'm walking with him. Now, we've been uh, going to some conferences lately as a church family, some of the leadership, and we've been talking about this. If you look at your e-news um, on, on Tuesday, we'll, we'll be talking about a little bit about opportunity to hear some of this stuff uh, coming up soon. But, but, but when we think about this, uh, we have to ask ourselves, what kind of gets us going? What, what is the catalyst that, that really keeps us moving in this direction? Because it's a path, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a highway that we travel on. How, how do we move in that direction? And, and what are the catalysts? Because catalysts are very important. I don't know if uh, in elementary school you experienced this. Uh, there is no sound to this. I'm going to talk about this. You made one of these Plaster of Paris uh, um, volcanoes. Anyone do, done one of those? Do they still do that in school? No, they don't. That is a shame. You make this thing out of plaster. Your dad has to help you or your mom has to help you because you can't do it yourself. At least I couldn't. And then you paint this thing. And then they tell you, and I'm sorry to tell you this because this may get some of you in trouble, that if you take baking soda and vinegar and pour it in there, that's what happens. And as a 10-year-old, as an 8-year-old, that is just way too cool. Now, you've got to have baking soda and vinegar. You can't use flour. You can't use something else. But when those two come together, it's a catalyst, and things start to happen. I remember when I discovered this, uh, my mother soon discovered she was running out of vinegar and baking soda. She didn't know what was happening to it because I was getting up Saturday morning, getting into a cupboard, taking that stuff out and making all these kinds of you know, experiments and doing all this kind of stuff and then very carefully cleaning all up. And then like two days later, she goes, I'm making something. Where's my baking soda? I can't believe I ran out of that. I never run out of it. Anyway, so mom, if you're listening online or you're watching this, 40 years ago, that was me. Sorry about that. But anyway. But, uh, you know, we need catalysts in our lives. They need to be a part of our lives. So as we've talked about this idea about catalysts for engagement, we have to ask ourselves, what, what, what are those? And I'm going to fly through the first four of these, make some quick comments. Um, but I want, I want you just to get an idea about this. Probably a few weeks after Easter, uh, we're going to offer a Thursday night community group that um, just deals with these five catalysts um, over six weeks. So if you put that in the back of your mind, you'll, you'll see that uh, you know, in, in our information uh, coming down, down the pike here. So the first, the first catalyst for engagement, especially when it comes to this idea of spiritual life, and we sometimes call that spiritual growth, the first one for us is this idea of practical teaching. If you and I are going to be engaged in our faith, we need to be exposed to practical teaching. The idea is that when obedience intersects with God's faithfulness, our confidence in God is strengthened. So hopefully, um, hopefully most of the time, maybe half the time, you know, you find the teaching here uh, very practical. Uh, it, it, it informs how you live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's just not for information's sake. 
It's information, hopefully, that's transformational. And it, it starts changing your life as you start to incorporate in your life. So that is a key area. They did a study. North Point actually did a study. They got a bunch of guys in a room, and they said, okay, what helps people grow? How do they grow in that? And they said, they came up with, they basically put it down into five compartments, and, and these are them. This is uh, the first one is this idea, again, of practical teaching. Another one is, uh, is uh, uh, pro it's actually, I should say, providential uh, relationships. Providential relationships. And, and the idea here is that when we see God's faithfulness in someone else's life, it is easy to trust him with ours. So we need to have relationships that we actually see something happening in somebody else's life. You'll notice that one of the reasons we have this interview process, and we'll interview those who uh, went on the trip to Honduras in the weeks to come, and we'll hear a little bit about their experience. When we see God's faithfulness in their lives, and it encourages us. Sometimes in a community group setting, you're going through something and you're stressed about it. And then someone says, well, that kind of happened to me this way. And this is the way God showed us. And, and that relationship just helps you. So one of the catalysts, one of the things that helps us to go down this road is this idea of relationships. Also, there's this area of private disciplines, uh, you know, Bible reading, prayer, spending time with God. When God speaks to us through his word or or answers a specific prayer request, our faith is strengthened. So if you want to be growing in your faith, if you want to be moving towards being incredible, it begins with being engaged. And one of the places we need to be engaged in is private disciplines. Uh, Sunday alone isn't enough. It's not enough. We need more in our life where we have spend time with God, we pray, and these kinds of things are catalysts. You, you just, you just, it just doesn't happen when those things, when these are absent from your life. Um, also, just uh, pivotal circumstances. When our life events are rightly interpreted through the lens of God's moving in our lives, our faith is strengthened. And again, looking at circumstances, what has happened in our life, reflecting on them and seeing that God has had a hand in that and that has helped us grow. The circumstances you go through, the good things, a lot of the bad things are catalysts for our lives for growth. And, and they need to be a part of our lives. We, we need to be, uh, you know, into those things. Uh, the one we're going to be focusing on over for the next two weeks today and, and next week is the idea of personal ministry. And when I say personal ministry, th this is more than filling slots. Next week, there's going to be some displays out there for probably the next three weeks about where you could do personal ministry through the life of this local uh, community of faith. Uh, this idea of personal ministry happens through a community of faith, but also happens as you go along in your world. But this idea of personal ministry, so it's not to get a job done, even though we like to get jobs done. It's not to get a job done. I I'm going to tell you that if you're not involved in some kind of personal ministry, you're not going to have the catalyst that helps you grow towards incredibleness. It, it, just, doesn't, it just doesn't work. Uh, that's some of the benefits of a trip like this that we just talked about. We find that in some ways, yes, we're trying to bless some people, needy people in Honduras, but the, the turnaround is that we get blessed more because those folks come back with an experience where they, where they were stretched, 
where it was where it was difficult but they got to place their faith in action and it helped them grow i can go back and look at specific events that that were life-changing for me even though i was in a sense giving myself away to some extent you know this this idea is to serve to serve as a slave uncomfortable word but this idea of ministry goes back in the original languages to that to serve god to serve people and uh and christ is our example he came to do this to show us and so we likewise if we're christ followers uh, respond the same way in matthew uh, 28 19 through 20 it talks about therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i've commanded you and surely i am with you uh, always to the end of the very age and it's interesting when we think of this we realize that most of us who are aware of god want more of god in our lives we want him showing up in our lives we want to see him working in our lives and we love verse 20 i'm with you always but we forget that there's a verse 19 and the verse 19 is basically saying as you're about my business as you're doing my will as you're loving on people the way i loved on you then you'll be very aware that i'm with you always and again if, if, if that's missing from our lives then our spiritual growth is is hampered our movement to incredibleness is is hampered it's slowed down it's like driving with only a few of your cylinders and your engine working and again this is not about filling slots alone it's about the idea that if we're a church that's trying to move people into a growing relationship with god through jesus christ this has to be a part of the deal it's one of the components one one of the ingredients when ministry stretches us scares us and takes us to the end of ourselves our trust is strengthened back to proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust the lord with all your heart well you've got to go into situations where you need to trust him where you come to the end of yourself it just i i'm just being honest with you it doesn't work without this component it's one of the catalysts it's like it's like trying to get the volcano to work with vinegar and flour or vinegar and something else or or baking soda and water the chemical reaction doesn't take place and we could go to story after story uh, of people that uh ancient people in jesus day that that took a step out and it stretched them and it scared them jesus said his disciples in those arenas all the time they came to the ends of their self but then their trust was strengthened has to be one of those catalysts in our life i love the way again eugene peterson translates it, and he says then instruct them in the practices of all i've commanded you and, and this isn't like you know tell people what to do it's it's instruct them tell them but you better be living it live it is better than just telling them give your words credibility by your actions let them work together and and we we do this and then it goes on i'll be with you as you do this day after day after day right up to the end of the age and so 
this idea of personal ministry is one of these catalysts. We want God showing up more in our life. We want to be more aware of his presence. We, we trust that when we say yes to Christ into our life, he joins our life, so he's there, but we just need to be aware of it. It happens as we're about his stuff, his ministry, his giving our lives away. It doesn't happen when we're not giving our lives away. He, he doesn't say, as you do your own thing, lo, I'm with you always. No, he says, as you do what I'm about, as you follow me, as that's reflected in your life, you'll be amazed at all the ways I show up. I'll tell you, uh, one, one of the places that I feel the presence of God the most is, is when I'm speaking, because you don't notice me. I'm very nervous inside. I don't sleep well Saturday nights. I get up early because I'm nervous. Then I show up, and then sometimes he shows up, and it all comes together, and I go, wow, he was there with me on the platform. Hey, Lord, we're sitting right there. Thank you. You know, he's, he's right there with me as I'm doing what he's made me to do. The same is true, whatever that may be for you. It, it may be working in the nursery. It may be bringing brownies to your neighbor. I don't know what it is, but you're doing this thing called personal ministry, which sounds very religious and fancy and all that's not for me but the idea of giving yourself away you'll find that he shows up so if you ever wonder wow why doesn't god show up in my life maybe not the only reason but maybe it's because you're not giving yourself away and he didn't promise to be be for you to be aware that he's with you always to the end of the age when you're doing your own thing when you're just living for yourself and again, that's very important for us. Our mission statement is make a difference in people's lives wherever they are. And, uh, you know, we, we see that is that's what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be connecting with people. And we do that by a growing relationship with Christ. That's the reason you can see the little cross in the sail there. And why we're talking about saying yes to making a difference. So how does this all, all come together? First of all, there's this idea that you and I need to, to, to know God. We are knowing God. It's an ongoing process. Someone who shared just before they got baptized, we do a little baptism video. I, I love it. They said yes to Jesus to have him into their lives, but then they continue to say yes to Jesus every day. It's an ongoing process. Some of us, Said the prayer, very powerful. Asked Christ into our lives to be connected with us. But it was a, almost like a moment, one-time event. I don't know about you, but I, I have to say yes to Jesus regularly. Sometimes every minute I have to say yes to Jesus because I'd like to say no to him because he's, he's saying, no, you need to navigate that way. You need to do this. Don't do that. You know, he's, he's leading me. I'm trying to align my life with his purposes. But this idea of knowing God. One of the most religious non-Christians was Paul. Paul went to from hating Christians, killing Christians, imprisoning Christians, to being one of them. It's, a, it's an unbelievable story. And this is what he says. He has all the religious stuff without Christ, and it was all self-sufficient. He liked it. But then all of a sudden he realized that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the answer. 
And so he writes this. He says, compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand relationship, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Doggone. People didn't think you'd hear that word in church. I dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ. That idea of knowing is process, knowing by experience. How do you know God by experience? By getting into his business, by joining what he wants to do. Then you start seeing him working all around you. That idea of knowing, embracing Christ, and be embraced by him. It's not that we earn that embrace, but if you want to be aware of his closeness, then be about what he's doing, and you sense his embrace. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness or self-righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust, robust kind that comes from trusting Christ. So we need to know God, knowing him. Also, there's the idea of knowing yourself. In Psalms, we read this. He shaped each person in turn. Now he watches everything we do. And it's not that he watches everything we do to see if we're going to get a step out of line, but he watches with anticipation to see what we've entr he's entrusted to us and how we're going to leverage it. It's like when you give someone a new tool, when you give someone a new gift, and sometimes you give them something that you don't know how to operate. This isn't the case with God, but, but when you give them that thing and they start to work it, and they start to do unbelievable things with it. Um, you know, if, if, I, if I gave you a power tool, because I can't do anything with power tools, uh, just maybe uh, hurt myself. But, uh, but if I gave you a power tool and I watch you do whatever it does, I'm like amazed. I'm, I'm sitting watching in anticipation, not sitting watching to slam you down when you don't do it right. And so God shapes us. And, and he watches, he, he's sitting on the edge of this throne in heaven going, Wow, look at me. He, he's getting it. He's figuring that out. And it brings him such great joy because he shaped us for those things. And he watches us. I'm just going to mention these quickly. You can pick up a copy of Purpose Driven Life. We have it at the library that lists these um, five areas. Um, but these are some of the ways you can think about how he shaped you. He's given you a spiritual gift. If you're a Christ follower, he's equipped you to do something to Build up other people, especially in the life of church. Uh, you can look at your heart and say, what do you have a passion for? That helps, that helps you figure out what your shape is. You can look at your abilities. God isn't wasting those abilities. You have abilities that you can use, and they can be even abilities that you wouldn't think at first glance have any possibility of making a difference. I told you this before, just one little thing. I love to ski. And I, and I love to use skiing to connect with other people. That, that, that's semi-ability, big heart for that. And I get to go skiing and connect with other people and just, and just point to Christ every once in a while. And, and that's, that's just fantastic. So who knows what ability you have that you could leverage it. And God's up there going, that is awesome. Look at him, look at her go. Um, also your personality. How God's wired you. All those kinds of things. Each of us have a distinct personality. And, and God's given us that 
He shaped us that way to use us so we can have this personal ministry that can be a catalyst for our growth to know that God's a part of our lives. And then we can be in this process of incredibleness. And lastly, our experiences. All of us come with different experiences, some tragic, some tragic, some wonderful, some just an experience that we can share with someone else. Well, God can take even the tragic things, not only the good things, and he can leverage those for our personal service of others. See, he wants to use our share. Rick Warren, who um, authored these ideas, says this, Preparation without expression produces depression. You see, when you're shaped a certain way and God's had his hands on that, and you don't use that, it makes you frustrated. And then you try to get rid of that frustration, and sometimes we go in directions that are completely opposite. But, but it's a frustration when we, when we have some kind of shape and we, we don't get to actually use it. We're a puzzle piece, and, 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 our, and our shape fits in a certain spot, and, and, and somebody's trying to jam us in, or we're trying to jam it into a different place in the puzzle. doesn't work. Depression, because we don't get to express it. Obviously, all in this involves knowing others, knowing others well, love others as well as you love yourself. Just think about that for a little while. Even this week, as I was thinking about this verse, I was thinking about uh, things that I sometimes do and sometimes don't do around the house. Expect Cindy to do it. Wait a minute. I should do that. I love when she does that for me. Why don't I do the same for her? She loves me so well. Why don't I love her half as good as she loves me? Why don't I do that? So you know, knowing others, knowing how they're wired, having people close in your life. And, and we know others and we love others well. That's a part of our ministry. You see, being incredible says yes to making a difference, which is engagement. Which is engagement. So as you think about your life, as you think about this two-part series about being incredible, you are incredible. God says you're, and says that you are, you're wonderfully made. How do you exercise that? Are you going to use this catalyst of, of saying yes to making a difference? Maybe here, in your outside of these four walls life, but somewhere. Because it is a catalyst for spiritual growth. It's a catalyst to being incredible. And many of us, many of us are missing out. So it's not about a slot. It's about missing out. Let's pray. Grace Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for these ideas that uh, others have uh, shared. We think about our lives, and each one of us wants to add value to the world we live in. Uh, we want to be consider ourselves having something to offer. We want to be valuable. There's nothing wrong with that, and you've shaped us that way. Help us not miss out on the natural rhythms of life, the natural catalysts that will cause us to be in that path of incredibleness. Help us to be an incredible people, not because of, uh, of necessarily us-centered, but because of other-centered. And help us to see and experience you in a regular, day, a regular basis in the life of our community of faith here, our church, 
and also as we go out from these walls, as we go to other places, the places we live, play, go to school, work. Father, we thank you that you, you want to be a part of our lives and that you offer that to us. Help us to accept the offer, we pray in Jesus' name.